Welcome to the Food Science Addict podcast. I am Veronica and I'm a lecturer in food science and I will be your host. Here we will explore food science topics and careers. Join us for a delightful journey into the world of culinary science, career insight and more. This episode is sponsored by the Institute of Food Science and Technology a professional membership body for those interested in food science technology. Stay till the end to find out more about IFST. Welcome, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for this other episode, another exciting one related to the food science addict. As you know, I'm Veronica, your host, and today joining me, I have a co-host, Anneli from Food Crumbles, and most of you already know her. I am 100% sure about it. What we will do today, we will cover something very topical for this time of the year, because it's Halloween uh, and it is right around the corner. We're ready to dive into some creepy, sweet, perhaps sugary, for sure sugary, science today. But I will pass on to Anneli and I will let her introduce herself first. Great. Thanks, Vero. Yes. Hi, I'm Anneli and I'm a food scientist. I'm, as she mentioned, I'm the owner and author behind foodcrumbles.com, where I try to make food science knowledge available to anyone who wants to learn more about their food and how it works. Uh, for that, I write articles about the science behind all types of food, meat, vegetables, colors, anything. And I'll have developed some courses that dig deeper into the science behind some particular foods as well. First, I wanted to ask, what's your favorite candy? Ah, great question. My my favorite is actually Dutch licorice. It's very black candy. You can't really get it anywhere outside of the country. And really, nobody outside of the country seems to like it that much. But mm. I like it a lot. And it's the one type of candy that I eat that I eat quite a lot of. <laughs> well, then I know what uh, what to try when I'll come and visit you uh, when I will be in the Netherlands. I'm so curious about it now. Yeah, definitely. I'll make sure to have some at hand when you when you come by. Okay. But what about you? What's your favorite candy? So uh, I'm a little bit mainstream because I do love chocolate. And I one of my favorite things to do, especially after a really stressful day, is to have... I would say a little bit, but it's never a little bit. 75% dark chocolate with a glass of oat milk. I think it's the perfect combination of bitter, you know, just, I like it. Great. So yes, chocolate is probably my number two favorite candy. I eat quite a lot of that as well. And also in my opinion, any candy just becomes more delicious and interesting once you know how it's been made. It's just fascinating how much science goes into candy. It's actually pretty complicated there's yeah. books articles whole careers devoted to the science behind candy it might look simple and everyone eats it all the time but there's so much that goes into it uh, glass transition temperatures boiling point elevation sugar crystallization there's so many fancy terms we could use to describe this candy as well and we could probably chat about it for hours but of course we won't <laughs> we probably won't have the time for that no, unfortunately, we don't have enough time, but that could be an interesting idea for future episodes, perhaps. What we can do at the moment, we can discuss the science behind two types of popular Halloween candy. So we can go for, how about marshmallows and gummy bears? Oh, yes. Let's start with marshmallows. Just decorating marshmallows is a great way to make little spooky ghosts. So perfect fit for Halloween, I would say. Um, can you tell us more about the science behind marshmallows? There's a ton, I'm sure. 
Absolutely. So uh, marshmallows are more than just puffy clouds of sugar. For those of you who are listening, and most of you perhaps know that this conversation is a little bit more complicated. They're made through a process that involves, first of all, whipping up a mixture of sugar, corn syrup and gelatin. And of course, we do not only have those things. We have another important character over there, which is um, air, of course. It's the gelatin that gives marshmallow their spongy texture, but we also have the sugar that helps big time with the taste and the texture specifically. Yes, definitely. Because before you even can whip up that mixture of sugar, corn syrup and gelatin, you shouldn't forget a crucial step that's like important for almost any type of candy we make. It's cooking of the sugar syrup. So it's not just marshmallows that use this step. I think it's like brittles, caramels, just about anything, any candy that you make involves some sort of cooking of the sugar syrup. So in the case of marshmallows, you take the sugar and corn syrup and you need to cook it to a very specific temperature. It's about 120 degrees Celsius, I believe. That would be 250 Fahrenheit for those thinking in Fahrenheit. And this is crucial because it has two main reasons, uh, functionalities actually in marshmallows. First of all, when you're doing this, you're making sure that all the sugar dissolves because you don't want a gritty marshmallow. You want a nice, smooth, silky marshmallow. And so by cooking the sugar and dissolving it in water, you make sure that it's nice and smooth. And second, because you're cooking it to a higher temperature, you're actually evaporating water. And as you mentioned, that's important for the texture. If you wouldn't evaporate some water, it would become a very cuddly marshmallow. Not very nice. So by evaporating some of that water, you get this nice firm marshmallow. Yes, of course. So, and this is what actually makes the marshmallow so special. You know, it's characteristic at uh, the spongy texture, uh, adhesive texture, the, the, the chewiness of, of the marshmallow. Of course, that is also depending on the type of formulation that we are working with. The melting point of the marshmallows is just above the human body temperature, and that causes them to transition from a solid to something semi-solid once it is in our mouth or if you use a fire, for example. For us in the UK and the Netherlands, it's probably more of a summer activity than something we do now. As a matter of fact, it's pouring outside right now. So maybe not the best day for roasting marshmallows, but if the weather is good, it's a, it's a lot of fun and it's full of science as well. There's so many fascinating processes that take place once you roast your marshmallows. So if you've ever noticed that when you're roasting marshmallows, it turns a lot softer, and if you don't take care, it might even fall off your stick. Did you ever notice? Yeah, and you definitely need a good technique if you want to roast marshmallows. I'm not the best person to give advice on that technique at all. <laughs> no, me neither. It's a, it's a tricky balance. And But the reason that it gets softer is something that we as food scientists luckily know pretty well. It's, again, because of that gelatin. As you mentioned earlier, gelatin will, will melt and warm up when it uh, melts and turns softer when it warms up. Well, a campfire is very hot, so the gelatin actually partially turns liquid again. And it's why your your hot roasted marshmallow kind of flows off your stick if you're not careful. And it's because gelatin gels are actually really interesting. They're th so-called thermoreversible. That is, if you warm a gelatin gel back up like a marshmallow, it becomes more liquid again. And then when it cools back down, it turns solid again. So that's really fun. And that's what allows for roasting these marshmallows at the end. But there's more Vero when you roast your marshmallows. So the gelatin melts, but also if you're a really good roaster, you can get your marshmallows, this can give it this nice brown outside that's just not burnt, but just dark enough that it has a ton of flavor. 
Well, that's because of a chemical reaction going on between the proteins and the sugars, which you have a lot of in your marshmallow, and it's called the Maillard reaction. It's a super common reaction in food. I'm sure you've discussed it on the podcast somewhere before, but it's actually really complicated from a chemistry point of view. People, chemists don't even really understand how it works yet. So yes. it's going on there. Yes, absolutely. The Maillard to me is the queen of the kitchen reactions. And some of my students, perhaps they have heard me saying this already. So I am surprised that there is no one going out with the t-shirt saying Maillard queen of kitchen reactions. But anyway, ghostly marshmallows roasts are not just a must of Halloween for sure. We also have some other type of candies and among the many, we do have gummy bears. So these are these little guys, they are chewy, they're colorful, and they are perfect for Halloween candy dishes because of course you can eat them uh, singularly, but you can add to cakes, for example, so you can use them to decorate. And of course you can also do it at home. Therefore, what is the chemistry behind gummy bears? What is the, the characteristic from the chemistry point of view of these little guys? Yeah, gummy bears, even though they don't look like marshmallows, they have a lot in common with marshmallows because really the, the main secret ingredients behind gummy bears is also the gelatin. Gelatin is what makes the gummy bears have their bouncy texture and their really unique eating experience that makes it so fun, fun to eat as well. And the gelatin forms this really complex network in um, just like it does in a marshmallow, it forms a complex network that can hold on to water and make this unique texture. They're actually pretty simple to make gummy bears yourself if you want to give it a try as well. All you need is some gelatin, maybe some fruit juice or some just a nice flavor that you like, maybe a little bit of sugar. And the one of the most crucial points is really to treat your gelatin properly. So mm. gelatin, when you buy it, you need to first, before you can use it, you need to bloom it first. So you need to soak it in some water for some time. And that gives the proteins that the gelatin is made of some time to absorb all that water and become ready to be used. If you forget doing that, it's going to be a mess. So make sure that first you put your gelatin in some cold water, bloom it, give it some time. Um, and then in the meantime, take your fruit juice, your sugars, your flavor, color, whatever you like, put that in a pot together, heat it up. Don't bring it to a boil. There's no need to do that. Uh, but once it's nice and warm, you can actually add the gelatin and it will dissolve immediately. It will disappear. You won't see it anymore. Pour the mixture in some molds. If you have beer molds, that's nice. But in the case of Halloween, of course, spooky textures, uh, maybe pumpkins, anything would work actually. Just pour the mixture in it. Leave it to cool down, maybe in the fridge, and a few hours later you have nice, bounty, homemade gummy bears in any Halloween theme that you would like. Amazing. And I think that we will have enough time to make our own gummy bears before Halloween arrives. So I would be very disappointed if someone would not try to do this at home. <laughs> I myself will be the first to try, but I'm only telling you the result if that's going to be, if that's successful, you know. The fact that I'm a food scientist doesn't mean that I'm really good at cooking or doing things <laughs> so let's just remove that stereotype I think that everything that you just said Anneli and the explanations is just fascinating so what can we do to make gummy bears fit for the Halloween team or even marshmallows yeah so with the gummy bears if you make them yourself of course you have all control over color shape if you want but if you don't feel like making yourself them yourself you don't have the time like we mentioned mm -hmm. for the marshmallows gelatin 
is actually thermoreversible. So the gel that it forms. So you can simply warm up some, maybe squash them, whatever you like to make it Halloween-like and fit with the theme. Um, so you can actually do that quite easily. But you have to be careful when you buy your gummy bears because a lot of gummies that you can buy in the stores don't just contain gelatin. They also contain starches. And if your gummy contains starches as well, the texture will be different. But those are not thermoreversible. So those candies won't melt and deform again. So you can try your best, but it won't work. I've tried it. So make sure that you get them with just the gelatin and then you can play around and have some fun with creating spooky textures um, as much as you like. So this is an easier option. There are no excuses to not to try this at home now. If you're looking to impress any friend or family uh, with some Halloween themed marshmallow and gummy bear treats, you've got all the science and you got the inspiration. Yes, that's right, Vero. I'm curious to hear what our listeners will make as well. And if you don't mind the plug, for those listeners who would like to learn even more than what we just discussed about the science behind marshmallows and gummy bears, do browse to foodcrumbles.com. There's a bunch of articles about marshmallows. There's the one about where I tried to melt gummy bears and it worked for the one that didn't work for the other. So be sure to check that out. And if not, no matter if you're roasting marshmallows, making gummy bear candy, just remember that it's full of chemistry and so fun to study in more detail. Absolutely. And thanks, Anneli, for saving some time for this special Halloween episode for the Food Science Addict podcast. I am 100% sure that we try to condense as much as chemistry as possible in this tiny amount of time. Therefore, we, we of course, we didn't cover all of the possible things that we could really talk about. So thank you so much for trying to recap as much as possible all the tiny, at least the main chemistry uh, aspects of these two products we discovered today. So to everyone listening, we hope you all have a science-filled Halloween and of course a sweet one as well. If you have any questions, remember you can come and ask because I'm pretty sure someone will have some questions about the starches in the gummy bears. Yeah, no problem. Send any questions to Vero and we'll we'll have a look at answer them. It truly was a pleasure to come on your podcast, Vero. And I agree, we could have talked for hours about this topic if we'd wanted to. So thank you for, for giving me the chance to come on to the podcast to talk funny Halloween-y chemistry together. And for everybody Before finishing and saying goodbye to everyone, I'd like to thank the Institute of Food Science and Technology for sponsoring Food Science Addict Podcast. The IFSD is the UK's leading professional body for those involved in all aspects of food science and technology. The IFSD provides a variety of benefits as part of their membership, including free knowledge resources, topical events and professional recognition. The IFSD members are just like you. They're studying or working in areas of the food sector, in industry, education and governmental organizations. Find out more about IFSD and become a member today by heading to www.ifsd.org. Thank you so much for joining us for this new episode of The Food Science Addict. If you have any questions or any doubts, do not hesitate and send an email to thefoodscienceaddict at outlook.com or send a DM to our Instagram at thefoodscienceaddict. Take care and goodbye.